Sunday night I'd watch the practice with none of my friends I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends but I'm out <laughs> with your host Keith Varney And fake enthusiasm till you make it, Mike and Deglio. In high school, most every, every night. night. My mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo. What could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. This is episode seven of eight. We are recording in a five-day period. Woo! Mike, while the title screen blocks our faces. Mike, when the theme music hits. Oh my God, yeah. And welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast in which me, Keith Barney, and my buddy Mike, Mike Indeglio, discuss David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are up to Season 7, Episode 9, The Good Wife, I mean The Good Fight. Uh, And uh, let me tell you, the camera is a lie. We, uh, We definitely... When we know we're on camera, we look very different than when we know we're not on camera. <laughs> yeah, the first part of our conversation is always psyching each other up to like to get through. We're going to do this. No, it, it is like, fun. I do enjoy it. It's just like everything it's always on a day where like we set aside time but shit piles up and then by the mm-hmm. time we have to do the show, we got so many other things that you're like, "Oh, it feels like this huge chunk of time." But then the second that theme music hits, man, I'm like, "Oh yeah, I, this is fun." Well, you know what we could do? Blather on for less time. Uh, you know, the running time Why of do the a podcast? episodes we're talking about are 42 minutes. And we talk for way longer than the 42 minutes run of the episode just by ourselves, not even counting. Doing when I clip them down for, for YouTube, I always think to myself, oh, this should be short because there's no episode. There's no like... Right. actual podcast or no practice episode and then the oopsies are like 35 40 minutes these days because but i guess that's like the meaty part <laughs> is it though yeah <laughs> I, I, I have a question for the listener uh does anybody even Don't ask listen to the oopsies yeah. <laughs> or are we just talking to ourselves these are questions we don't actually want answers to so do not comment no <laughs> please please don't tell us uh but you know look we are very excited to be here and doing this. Uh, We are here in season seven of The Practice. There's a lot going on. We're recording these things. Boom, boom, boom. But uh, I think we uh, deserve, you know, we we like like to to make fun of ourselves a lot. We like to be self, uh, have self-deprecation as part of our, a brand of our genre. Uh, So I feel like we have earned a chance to uh, maybe, maybe brag, to brag on ourselves just a little bit uh oh yes like, i forgot all about this keep them so w- excited would you like to make the announcement mike can, Here can we you go. roll me some music it's taken years but it is officially stated that the out of practice podcast is mm-hmm. the number 147 true crime podcast 
in Portugal. In Portugal. <laughs> I don't think any of that information was what you told me yesterday. <laughs> well, give or take. Did you just make something up? Hold on. Give let me get or take. Up. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> Allow me to give you the actual information as opposed to what Mike just made up off the top of his head because he has pulled up the information. You weren't even close on either <laughs> metric. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> it took a long time. <laughs> but the Out of Practice podcast has finally reached the position of 216 in the category of TV and film in Portugal. You got Portugal right. Only because I'm going to Portugal next week. Oh my God. Yeah, you were, you were definitely way more optimistic. A, you, you, you made us like 140. We're not 140 in anything except for age. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, and and you did true true crime. What about us? True crime. <laughs> it's a true crime that we're not higher on that list. <laughs> Keith, do I now? Do I? So in honor, I wasn't going to pack my out of practice podcast T-shirt, but now uh-huh. since I'll be in Portugal, I, I need mean, a pic of me wearing the out of practice podcast. Do you think I'll get recognized? I I mean I'm I'm a little bit worried that we might have a Beatles or One Direction sort of a situation. Yeah, it could be. So uh, it, be careful in these I'll, days of I'll COVID film it. I'll with, film the, it. with the fans yeah. crowding you. It uh, can be really overwhelming. So, okay. Well, we did that. Uh, so I think we should hop into uh, everybody's favorite segment that we haven't done in a little bit. But in, in these times where we're recording these back to back to back to back to back, we don't have a lot of filings and subpoenas, though we do have one today. Uh, so we have a little bit more room for the most important of content. We have tried for years to make this podcast a success. We, we failed. failed, except, except in, in Portugal. Portugal. The world <laughs> wanted meow, meow, Two, three, four. Hot cat content. Meow, meow, hot cat content. Meow, meow, hot cat content. Meow. Yes, indeed. So, uh... I decided for my contribution this week, I just have some uh, some good pictures of our good friend Charlie uh, taken here in the Halloween season, which he very much enjoys. Uh, and he likes to. So there he is in his Halloween tube candy corn, which I, I, I don't know if you guys know, but I am a huge candy corn person. Gross. I, in fact, I have in like sitting right next to me at least three or four pounds of the stuff. Uh, because That's I find absolutely it disgusting, delicious. Well, but Charlie disagrees, and he sits in his candy corn tube, which he very much enjoys, and uh, gives you a boo. So uh, he also likes uh, resting, <laughs> napping. <laughs> sometimes he's excited. Sometimes he looks like he's waiting, uh, wearing the weight of the world, almost like he has to do eight podcasts in five days. Mm. Uh, but uh, the, the last thing I'll show you is uh, an action video of him in his tube, which I should have taken during the day. But that dude is very excited to uh, to run around in his tube. So there it is. We might have to get him more holiday themed tubes because America, we're wasteful. Uh, but we uh, 
We do. Enjoy I should it. share then that uh, Tuxie, uh, E.E. Tux, his official name, had his surgery, and it's it's kind of cute actually. So nowadays, male neuters real easy. It's a real easy thing. Uh, they don't even do sutures anymore. They just uh, they use like glue or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, Keith, your uh, bandwidth is really Ooh. letting you down. I don't. I don't know it's what's shrunk going you. on. I shrunk you because uh, your bandwidth is bad. But uh, so we're gonna small. leave you. Sh- we're gonna leave you shrunk for a minute because I'll get big. it's funny. I'll get big. I'll get there I am. Hey. So, but you'll recall. I, I guess uh, I didn't during, get that snip, snip. Yeah, that trials and tribulations. Uh, Tux's brother in, of his litter died during his neutering, and so right. Jen was really hysterical. And the vet was like, "They brought all these people on, or whatever." Let me tell you, for a procedure they can get free at the Humane Society, we paid. A pretty penny uh, to have yeah. the balls cut. Um, but he made it through. Everything's fine. But because we were so worried, they sent him home with the Elizabethan collar and all these mm-hmm. things. And they're like, don't let him touch the area for seven days and make sure he wears a thing. And I was like, Jen, I'm just telling you straight up, no kitten is wearing that goddamn thing for more than 20 to 25 minutes maximum. Uh, and that's what happened. We took it off. Uh, but I will say he is recovering. He is he is obsessed with me right now, and I'll show you a photo here if I can. Zo- Let me see if I can uh... focus, focus, focus. Oh, there, there it is. is. He is laying right on the computer with us, doing office work. He is on, on the, the pod uh, today on the spaceship right there. It, well, and nonetheless, he and he's also uh, good and vengeful, which is what I like. I look for in a cat. And he uh, he deleted oh, yeah. all of your work editing an episode of Toys. <sighs> he did. I have a, a bone to pick with uh, Adobe, but that's a different story. You know, on Macintosh, Keith, everything auto saves all of the time. You don't ever have to save your work on a Mac. It's always saved. Uh, but on the PC, even in a hard crash, there is no auto save on Adobe products, which is really just blows my mind. Yeah, that is that is odd. Uh, you know, it's it's a nice feature for Mac most of the time. Uh, I'm happy the Pro Tools does it. Uh, I wish that Photoshop did. Uh, also, I guess also an Adobe. Oh, Adobe. Mm-hmm. Adobe. So there it is, folks. All right. Well, let us uh, move forward and uh, do a little segment we call. Oh, we do have. Oh no. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I tricked him. I did say that we had a filing and subpoena today. He did. Oh no. I'm not oh, even God. in the I'm not even in the video. That's that's all right. I'll I'll say it quickly because we got an update. Uh, <laughs> it's been so long. From I don't our even have your cam anymore. Well, look, it, it it is related to why we haven't had many filings and subpoenas lately. Uh it's because our good friend and moderator Phoenix has been on a road trip and mm-hmm. he has given us a brief update on how it went. Uh, looking forward to more of this in the future, although this will be broadcast sometime in November. So uh, we're going to be so out of date by the oh, time. Boy. Oh, God. Uh, now I've got a foot. Now I'm in a hairy football. What just happened? Oh, it's I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it. Great. Great. Yes. All right. Well, Phoenix says, I'm just seeing this now because my trip was a calamity. Oh, no. For now, I'll just summarize it with the fact that a 37-hour drive took me 14 days. 
But I'm not giving away any spoilers because I'm currently in talks to sell the movie rights. It's basically trains, planes, and automobiles without the levity of John Candy. Is he moving or he's... I can't remember the... Yeah, he's moving. Yeah, he's he's going to Portland, I think. Uh, So, yeah, that's... uh, Well, I'm I'm sorry that that was so terrible. It will be a good story that I assume we will probably hear coming up in December, I guess, when this <laughs> what uh you're telling me that all this time has passed and your mom still has not left a rating or review? It's amazing. Although to be fair, uh has that episode you know, even I, aired? I, I I'm I, I'm not sure <laughs> guilting my mother has even aired. Uh and uh she she is feeling better. She actually got a tick borne disease from uh hiking in the hiking in uh, Vermont. So be careful with ticks, folks. They're serious. No joke. Uh, so uh, anyway, so that's uh, happening. Also, I haven't checked to see if she left. She might have left it. I just didn't check. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so we podcast. we've filed. Maybe she's filed, but we just haven't subpoenaed. So uh, and you know why don't we help people check themselves? How would they check and see if my mother has left a rating and review? Then tell us about it, Mike. Well, it's a shame that people haven't reviewed our incredible segues, uh, as Keith just did there. <laughs> you can contact that, us. That, that segue was as efficient as Phoenix's trip across the country. Out of practice podcast at gmail.com. Somebody checks that email at some point. Uh, that's how we figured out we were 100th in entertainment podcasts in Lebanon. Also... <laughs> Close as you were before. Yeah, uh, uh, you can check us on social media that all the young kids are using these days uh, at Out of Practice Podcast on Facebook, which is not an evil corporation, and their subsidiary Instagram. Uh, are you tired of looking at people's food that they're eating? Uh, sure, you can look at pictures of a twenty-year-old television show at Out of Practice Podcast. That's a good sell. Hey, are you so excited that you spent the time on going to, to the? Instagram of an old TV show that doesn't even post half the time anymore because Keith is too busy. Occasionally updated. (laughs) You can rank us on it. Let's get up the charts in Portugal, people. 227? We can do better than that. I mean... Still not right. (laughs) I had a brother-in-law who was Portuguese, but uh, that didn't work out well, and neither did our jury reviews. Uh, But you can do so, should you choose, uh, by leaving us ranking on any podcast service uh hopefully apple maybe uh and then let us know about it uh yeah i think that's about all i really want to say about it at this (laughs) juncture wow okay well uh luckily we only have one more episode (laughs) to do first one wasn't bad second one not not too bad third one it's gonna be bad it's it's bad it's bad it's actively bad <laughs> we are actively being bad right now and your your time is being wasted actively no, no, at this very moment that's not true we're gonna watch no. the show together it's gonna be great we are gonna watch the show together okay well let us actually move forward and go to the segment mike was anticipating will it work this I, time probably not probably not we're gonna hop back into the time machine to december 8th 2002 it was a Sunday, and we must answer the eternal question. Mike, what was happening? This day in the basement. I almost hit the wrong button on purpose. But mm, I didn't. That would have been Re- clever. Restraint. Well, it was almost my brother's birthday. It was almost Christmas in the city. 
of I was living in Brooklyn, New York, and this is one of those things about what coulda, shoulda, woulda been. Uh, my cousin was getting married in Mexico, but because of school and some other things, I couldn't go. Uh, and so my family got to go and have some fun at an all-inclusive resort in Mexico. Uh, though that marriage didn't last. The lesson I learned from it did last, Keith, and that's when you're in this business, or the business we were in, are tangentially in, somewhat in, I guess you can never really leave, uh, fun things like weddings and important things like funerals and other stuff like, you know, time with your family is a nice to have and nothing more because often the sacrifices you make uh, are those things. Now, I've learned as I've evolved that you can say no to things, but when you first start in the biz, you know, you don't say no a lot. You don't say no a lot. And uh, school's important. I was paying for school and I, I couldn't miss juries and rehearsing for the showcases and such. And so I uh, had to make one of my first sacrifices of family time for the business uh, that I'm glad to say rewarded me with fame and riches. Yeah, I mean, uh... 216 in Portugal. I, you know, I, 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 we can't emphasize it enough. So, uh, I mean, I think what that really says is how few people listen to uh, podcasts in Portugal. And clearly somebody just hit the wrong button with their thumb. And that was enough. <laughs> Somewhere in Portuguese, they're saying, how do you say in Portuguese? I thought they were going to talk about the practice. How do you say in Portuguese? Wait, that's not cereal. <laughs> what the hell is this? That looks nothing like Sarah Koenig. Okay. Keith, really what about does. you? You got some pictures in here. Talk to me. I do. Well, I was actually, I, I, you know, going back to the emails. It's good. I was scheduling and recording Christmas Cop Out 5, sing along with the All-Stars. Hey. Uh, and this one was fun because uh, all three of myself and my two brothers participated in this album. So Scott sang some songs, Sean sang some songs, I sang some songs, and uh, we were all playing hockey the summer before, so that was the theme that we went. Uh, Sean and I were doddering around as old people, and my younger brother was playing for the Connecticut Wolves in junior A hockey, playing some pretty serious hockey. Uh, but, uh, you know, what do you do when you're a serious hockey player? You record an album with your dumb, dumb brothers. Uh, so uh, I have a I have a, a little selection here because we we've, we've been talking about uh, we've been talking about how we were deep into the run up with the war in Iraq, and of course, who had to write a song about it? This guy. So uh, please enjoy a little clip of a song called "Mind of a Child." Lucky to be. It's very Billy Joel, buddy. We found oh, I was listening to a lot of Billy at that point. To pretend who we were is who we are. We are what we've become. So, uh... 
You it, undersell it was, your it, piano playing. You play very well. I always forget how well you play. Oh my god, I I was bad then. I'm I'm much better now than I used to be. Uh but that but that was, you know, pretty good for a 22-year-old untrained person. I, I actually remember that Keith because you I don't know if you recall, but you we were much you were much less self-deprecatory when I first met you and we were on those first few dates in Titanic. You used to play a lot of your tunes whenever there'd be a piano in one of the venues or something, you'd sit down and play and I remember you playing, I believe that tune. Oh, this song was one yeah. you shared, yeah. Yeah, well, it is the only song in my catalog that mentions John Ashcroft by name. So, uh, there, you don't, you know, I, like, I have a lot of songs, but not a very few of them mention John well, Ashcroft. You know what sells, Keith? Tits and Ash. <laughs> <laughs> we can all fly like an eagle. With you know, it's those puns ash. that get you up the charts in Portugal 216, baby. Yeah, 216. You know, and, uh, and, Hold on. Let me see if I can pull up what I was referring <laughs> there. Uh, John Ashcroft was a singer. Uh, Let the Eagle Soar is the mm. uh, is the song. So please enjoy uh, a brief moment of John Ashcroft singing Let the Eagle Soar from a lector. But no more than six seconds. Or they'll, they'll hit us. He wrote the song. Wow. Up the charts in Portugal. <laughs> All right. There it is. Keith, now would you believe that my performance war. my performance of Shmuel last week got us a strike? I saw that. You were so close. They actually picked up on it. Man, the algorithm's getting good. Yeah, they can sense those strings. They're like, full orchestration, hit it. <laughs> All right, yeah. So that's uh, that's what was going on in uh, in my basement, in your basement. Now let us take a look at the world. And by the way, uh, when we get a strike from YouTube, it just means we can't monetize the particular video that no harm no foul. And and you want to know how how far we are from monetization is very very far. And then it, it it basically you get paid per click on the video. Which, if we were fully monetized, every video we've ever put up about the practice, we'd make almost twenty-three cents. So, okay. I think I somewhere think Jason will... Robert Brown's people are pissed that they spent the time. They're like, "What? I, oh, I, I thought we were like gonna get some money." Of all the people in the world, like Jason would be on that. You all know, right. Keith. If we, but listen, to be frank, I know we we tease about it a lot. If we wanted to be making money, we'd be talking about the new macbook pros like everybody else oh here's what you need to know about the new macbook pros macbook pros it's just talking about the same shit everybody else is talking about but no we're talking about the things that matter to people the practice mm -hmm. yeah the practice and it's time for the out of practice podcasts this day in the world the greatest hits the biggest movies headlines from vermont essential sports updates and for some inexplicable reason the weather from 20 years ago now back to keith and mike okay folks uh you know well i, I i'm assuming you thought the number one song was from rocky coast to golden shore you it, it's shocking that it wasn't John Ashcroft singing Let the Mighty Eagle Soar. Oh. Now just imagine this over. Keith, you know what? Let it keep playing and play the Eminem riff over it. That's what we should do. Yeah. 
Okay. I think it goes something like this. <laughs> Keith, just, this just in, we've plummeted to 725 on the Portugal charts. <laughs> well, you know what? We're just going to... Uh, I, I know that technically it was Eminem with Lose Yourself as the number one song, but we're going to stay with John. Just sing to us, John. Well, we talk about the uh, Burlington Free Press. The cover said the hospital's nuclear secrets, question mark, which is a really compelling title that I would have loved to have clicked on, but I, 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 you know, I didn't pay for the free trial on newspaper.com, so I'm assuming something exciting was happening with some radiation at the Vermont hospitals. Have they fixed it? Have they not? I don't know. Go to the hospital and find out. The other thing you can find out is the top movie was made in Manhattan. It was not Die Another Day. Oh, wait. Shit. I'm reading the wrong rundown. We are not letting the eagle soar right now. The eagle has died. The, the eagle is down. Oh, no. Oh, maybe key change will help us. You know, Keith, a better podcast would just take, get it, make another pot of coffee and start over. No, no, we are. He just ran off the stage. <laughs> All right. Do you think We're the gonna web crawlers are going to pick that up and, and, and flag us for that the whole song we played? Or is nobody caring? I hope so. We shouldn't be monetized <laughs> for this episode. Forget it. Uh, well, okay. Spoiler alert on the She's next week's Burlington Free Press. <laughs> All right. Well, this is more appropriate as uh, <laughs> it was. The uh, headline was Iraq accounts for weapons. Yeah, boy. Sure, they did. Okay. Uh, there's a certain. Uh, Bard, who was didn't necessarily care about that. The top movie was indeed Die Another Day. Hey! <laughs> Which took in $12 million in its third week. This was the Pierce Brosnan Halle Berry uh, lasers from space hitting the Arctic uh, movie with the invisible car. So much fun. All right. Well, it is time to move forward to everybody's favorite segment. Uh, oh, no. Are We're you still- ready? We're just going to do it with John Ashcroft. The New York football giants pounded the Dallas Cowboys 37-7 at Giants Stadium. Ron Dane scored two touchdowns and Dickie Barber added a third. Kenny Holmes returned to fumble 50 yards for a touchdown. This raised the Giants' records to 8-6 and six still in the playoff hunt. Meanwhile, the Eagles beat Washington racist names, finishing the day at 11-3 and and securing the NFC East Championship. Wow. I feel like the uh, the Eagles were really flying. They were really soaring, Mike. Could you please make it stop? <laughs> oh, come on. That makes me so, so, so wow. happy. Oh, all right, all right. I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about Mercifully. <laughs> wow. Oh, what were we talking about? Oh, right. The Practice Season 7, Episode 9, The Good Fight, which is what you are doing, fighting through this episode, yeah. trying to More get to More power to, to you, fan. Truly, truly. 
All right. Well, this was directed by Dwight H. Little, who last directed The Return of Joey Herrick. Ooh. And folks, I am sad to say this is the last episode directed by Dwight H. Little, uh, who directed many important episodes of The Practice, some season finales. He did the Super Bowl episode. And this is it. He has moved on with his life. And uh, you know who else moved on with his life? Uh, is David E. Kelly, because he did not write this episode. In fact, it was written by Jonathan Shapiro, who last wrote on Of The I Sing. What's that, John? You want to sing some more? What does Mike think's gonna happen? All right. to move on, and I just want to play All right, fine. No, no, that's okay. We 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 got enough bumpers. Let's do this thing. All right, fine. What, Mike? Speaking of jumping the shark, what do you think is gonna happen? Keith, we're gonna get a win this week. I I begged for it last week. We're gonna get it. Rebecca and Jamie are going to get a buddy cop case, all right? Ooh. I'm looking at your Easter egg here. That has to do with unlawful seizure, search and seizure, Mm -hmm. all right? And uh, it's a normal case. It's an interesting case, and everything is fine. On the other hand... That's jumping the shark? No, that's the good part of the episode. Bobby is very sad, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. So he is going to <laughs> Don't make me do it. No. I can't. I was going to make I, I was just remembering the why Bobby said in the content of the last episode and realized there are no jokes to tell. <laughs> Bobby um Bobby makes a big decision this week in his case, Keith. He decides he is, this is the episode, this is the week. Bobby leaves the practice. He decides he can no longer be a lawyer. Oh, shit. And he is going to go and work for victim rights. Victims of sexual abuse in the Catholic Church, Bobby goes to do pro bono work for them, and this is his grand farewell. Grand farewell. I would love that. I'd love for him to stay on the show and do that. But but yeah, okay. That's a... That is interesting. That's bold. I like it. I like it. And it's sex- right. his exit is sexy because I hate to see him go, but I sure as hell like walking, watching him walk away. If you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do know what you're saying. I do know what you're saying. I'm saying All he has right. nice ass keys. Keith. Keith. Oh, oh, Keith? is that? Oh, Keys. Oh. Keister. He has a nice keister. I Keith. thought you liked the cut of his jib, yeah. but no. That's the cut oh, of his right. ass crack. <laughs> Built by toils and struggles, God has led us. Hey, folks! <laughs> do you want Do you want to see us com- continue to make asses of ourselves? Well, you can at least listen to it. Do so by going over to your podcast series of choice. If you're in Portugal, we should be right up there at the top of that list. If you're anywhere else, God help you, as we enjoy the good fight, and we'll be back for the after show show after these stirring words by John Ashcroft. <laughs> I know you can beat this, Earl. Trial this is, is not season an option seven, here. Episode you nine. Who told me good he fight. was a drug dealer? Because he was working undercover, and even if he was a drug dealer, Bobby it's still murder to shoot him. How many times do I have to tell you it was an accident? 
Are you stupid? Oh, shit. Since your own lawyer has trouble buying your story, you might consider how hard it will be to convince a jury. You know what, Mr. Jerkoff? Just defend me. And while you're doing so, stop trying to pretend that you're better than me. Your last client was a child rapist who you seem to have no problem getting off. Now you do what you need to, Bobby. Accuse the cop's widow. Argue that he shot himself. You can even stand up and say you did it. I don't much care. You can even argue accident because that is what it was. You listen to me. No, you listen. I am the customer, Bobby. Aside from that, you need to remember you and I are a lot alike. I'm a drug dealer. You defend drug dealers. We need to accept ourselves for what we are, Bobby. And add to that, I am the customer. Okay, folks. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of good exposition work for us. Yeah, he really put a fine point on it there, didn't he? Here we are filling us in on the previously on the practice. Unnecessary now. It is Clifton Powell playing Earl Johnson, who you would know from Ray Rush Hour next Friday, Saints and Sinners, Murder, She Wrote. This guy has 257 credits on IMDb. Clifton has worked and worked and worked. That's one of the more uh, on 11 openings we've had. You got, got Bobby punching the wall. Got this guy screaming like, yeah, well, you know, we're uh, we're starting in it. I think, that you know what they were trying to do? They're trying to match the excitement of our previous part of this episode. Oh, that's a good point. Why do I need help? I'm not saying you need help. I'm just offering. I'm fine. Thank you. Bobby, it is a cop killer case. Those ten... Did I have... lose the ability to try cases alone? No. Did I lose the ability to ask for help when I need it? No. Did you lose the ability to sleep? Because you look like crap. <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy. Uh, for you, I mean. You're, you're still better looking than me. <laughs> Okay, people just walk in. Can I help you? I need a lawyer. I was arrested for drugs. Lady who needs a lawyer because she was arrested. Out of central casting for homeless people. It is Constance Brenneman as Tammy Rowe, who you would know from Batgirl Rises, Alias, and The Toy Soldiers. Marijuana. They're going to put me in jail. Jamie. Excellent. Girl, I'm rolling a joint right now. I'm Jamie Stringer. Hello. Times I'll be your attorney. Changed. You are? Tammy yeah. Rowe. You know, we haven't really moved forward in social justice in any way, uh, Keith, but when it comes to weed, yep. we've made strides. Let's yep. go in the conference room. Priorities. The evidence will show Detective Bowers was working undercover on a drug detail. When the defendant, Earl Johnson, attacked him, took his gun, and shot him to death. Detective Bowers was the first Boston police officer to be killed in the line of duty in over a decade. That's his wife, son, and two daughters sitting over there. I'm sure we'd all like to extend our condolences. But you can do something more. You can give them justice. And at the end of this case, that's all they'll ask you for. What about some Botox uh, injections, Lara Flynn? 
Whoa. Can no they ask comments. for those? Can they ask for those? <laughs> Mr. It's almost almost like they you know what? No, forget it. Donald. <laughs> I, you decided not to uh, let that joke fly like the eagles soar. Mm -hmm. Justice is all. Well, I have. Gonna, I was going to say that, like they they have stopped writing for Helen. Like her development as a character outside of the courtroom has has ceased. Yeah, yeah. She's basically just trying the cases straight. So she's basically just had to like find something to fill her time. My client's entitled to. And it's all we ask Stop for as well. Lip. Guys, I know this is a terrible podcast, but we are having a blast. What the hell was that? I didn't want to tip our defense. Tip our defense? So Bobby did a very... You give a one-liner that's... Hey, open. fire me. What's going on with you? You've represented me many times. Suddenly you got this big problem. My problem is you suddenly doubting because me. Because you seem different. Look, it's like you said, you're the customer, I took your money, I'll give you your money's worth. That opening? Was designed to keep Helen Gamble in the dark. The fact that you're in the dark stuns me, given your advanced mental acuity. What is this? You, you want me to threaten you so you can get off the case. I would never, ever threaten you, Bobby. You keep forgetting. We're like brothers. Will they put me in prison? I highly doubt it. The fact that they released you before even being arraigned. I'll see you at the courthouse, okay? Okay. Thank you. Okay. The search seems to be bogus. She was pulled over for rolling through a stop sign. Please. How much pot? An ounce. She wasn't under the influence? No, totally sober. Who's sitting, do you know? I think Judge Brenford. Why? Brenford? You're home. I'm sorry? Brenford is the flirting judge, and you've got blonde hair. Oh. Forget it. This case is as good as kicked. What do you mean, the flirting judge? All you have to do is smile at him. Big smile, over the top. If he thinks you think he's cute, he'll suppress on the spot. What? No, he's right. I've had six cases kicked on smiles alone. I mean, with Lindsay, he doesn't even wait for the facts with her. Can you flirt? Can I flirt? Like with every professor I ever had, thank you. Are they hazy? Like I said, you're home. Can I flirt? I mean, Lucy's not buying something. was genius. That was mean. It was a buy-bust operation. Detective like Bowers was posing as a seller. Detective Bowers was your partner? Yes. Our goal here was to arrest the defendant, then cut a deal for information on other drug sources. Detective, would you describe what happened? The operation was in an alley between two abandoned buildings. I manned an observation post on the roof of one of the buildings, and we had unmarked cars at either end of the alley. And? I saw the defendant, Earl Johnson, go into the alley and walk up to Eddie. A minute later, I heard a shot. By the time I got to him, Eddie was dead. The defendant started to run. I pulled my weapon, went in pursuit, and eventually apprehended him. 
You never actually saw what happened. They were standing in the bay of a roll-up garage door. It was dark. You didn't see it? No. And you couldn't hear either? We don't wire undercover officers in cases like this. So if there had been a fight for the gun, you wouldn't know? If there had been a fight for the gun, your client would be dead. Would you say Detective Bowers was an aggressive officer? I would say he was an excellent officer. Move to strike, non-responsive. Sustained. I wouldn't say he was overly aggressive, no. But he'd fight with suspects. Yes, he'd use his fists instead of his gun, which probably saved lives. But some suspects complained that he used excessive physical force. Not one of those complaints was ever upheld. Thank you. Not necessarily breaking news, but while we're doing it... Who enjoys excessive force? He could have shot him. So, uh, Mike, do you recognize this actor? I do. As a fan of a certain Aaron Sorkin series? I do. Uh, he's in the West Wing. And, he uh, is. I don't know it's, who. Uh, it's Steve Ryan who plays Miles Hutchison on mm. the West Wing. Miles. The sort of antagonist defense secretary. You might also know him from American Dreams, Oz, and Arrested Development. Uh, and I should also point out, while we're stopped, that our judge here is Paul Dooley back. So we have, for Bobby, a repeat of all three parts of the trifecta of the case that he uh, is still recovering from, getting the child abuser off. With uh, So you have Swackheim, you have Helen, and Bobby forming the trifecta. One. Now, when Lindsay got the trifecta of trauma, she killed somebody. We saw how that turned out. So what's going to happen with the Bobby trifecta? Will he become murderous? Or uh, will he cry? Will we get a Bobby cry? What's going to be the breakdown, Keith? Because we know it's coming. One, one can only guess. Or, I mean, I know, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Oh, Helen, you get a scene outside the courtroom? Okay, you're up next. I expect it to be pretty quick. Don't editorialize. This lawyer will make you pay for it. Just spit out the facts. You expect it to be quick? Ms. Gamble, you did read the autopsy. Yes, single gunshot wound to the chest. Did you keep reading? Keep reading? I'm not saying you illegal. Want to read the whole. The over-the-counter muscle-building uh, supplements are identical to the illegal stuff. Was he ever tested? For drugs of abuse, coke, heroin, not steroids. Oh, he's a roid rager. All right, so let's stop here because I need a ruling from you, Mike. Well, you know something, brother? All you got to do to be a police officer is eat your vitamins, take your roids, and murder anybody who talks there. back to you. Well... If you and this kind of take some roids. Yeah. Uh, so here's the ruling I need from you. So uh, our pathologist here is Ryan Catrona, who we have seen six. This is the sixth episode that he has done. Right. And this is his final appearance. So uh, we have we have another person making their final bow here on the practice. And he has played essentially the same character every time, but it has been billed six different ways. So this character, he's played Dr. Patrick Fine, FBI coroner, pathologist Dr. Fine, just pathologist, forensic expert, and coroner 
Patrick Fine. So, uh, Patrick has had a lot of different occupations that are all basically the same, but, uh, he's been billed six different ways in six different episodes. So is, is there a bumper that goes with this or is there not a bumper? You know what? Because it's six times and because it's his swan song, here's what we're going to do. We're going to alternate lines, Keith. And when we get to the patter portion, I guess we'll just see what happens. So I'm going to start it off Okay. and we're just going to alternate lines. All right. You're not supposed to know this, that you've been on the show before. Well, after a Super Bowl guest star, you've come charging back for more. Charging back for more. Okay, that's what he gets. <laughs> Neither one of us remembers no, that more. But like the harmony was was relatively right, so we'll go with it. <laughs> Close to rage. What? Of course, that's their defense. Bobby Donald's going to argue that your partner flipped out. That's ridiculous. He's got a few excessive force complaints on his record. Look, Eddie never had any. He started for Slim Jim was my partner for nine years. I'm telling you, he was an even-tempered guy, and this was a standard bust. Well, he had steroids in his system. Bobby Donald has that autopsy report. He's going to argue your partner started the fight. Trust me. Keith, you do such great impressions. For some reason, your Macho Man is absolutely fucking terrible. No, I can't do Macho Man. Uh, no, I look. I, I've been a wrestling watcher for about twenty minutes. Wait, do your Macho Man again. <laughs> I'm gonna snap into a bad impression, brother. Commonwealth versus Tammy like Rowe. Hogan. Yeah, it's half controlled Hogan. substance. Your Honor, we'd like to, you know, wave reading, if that's all right. Since there's no question of bail, we'd like to move to suppress the search at your convenience. Why are you so happy? Just happy to be here, Your Honor. Why? My client was stopped for rolling through a stop sign. There was no reasonable basis to search her car, and I always enjoy being able to right a constitutional wrong. Are you a real lawyer? Am I... Yes. Jimmy and Eleanor snickering in the back. Are you, are you coming on to me? I would never. As hard as it is to resist. What the fuck, I just, man? That's not cool. Not, not, not cool at all. Especially That's when, like, crazy. someone's case is, like... like somebody's life. But while we're at I, it, I am so sorry. We should uh, introduce. Who's that Who's that okay, we have a new judge on the series, but a uh, very seasoned actor. It's Alan Dale as Judge Benford, who you'd know as the toothpick man from the X Files. He was in Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, Dominion, NCIS. He was, uh, most people would know him as Charles Widmore on Lost. Or all of us Star Trek people would know him as Praetor Hiren in Nemesis Star Trek. Although I will say, like, I she was, yes, being flirty, but I, I, what judge would be like, are you coming on to me in the middle of a court proceeding? That's bizarre. That's a, yeah, it was super bizarre. All of it. Your Honor, I started some new allergy medication and it has made me so loopy. I, 
I'd just like to schedule a suppression hearing, if I could, where I could question the arresting officer. Two o'clock. Will you be normal by then? Yes, Your Honor. Thank you. Meanwhile, other attorney doesn't get a line. Jeffrey Stubblefield. As what were you doing? It was technical. It didn't seem like normal lawyering to me. What a douche. Wait Jenny here one second. There. Eleanor too. But they're both Eleanor, in both of them. They were in on it together. Jamie's I cannot pissed. believe you did that. It was a joke, Jamie. Calm down. It was not a funny joke. You humiliated me. This is a real case, you know, and somebody's freedom is at stake, and you decide... It was marijuana. Please. Miss uh, Stringer, if I may ask, what the hell was that? Didn't you hear me? Allergy medication. Uh-huh. Listen, I'll give your girl two years. If you challenge the search, I'm going for seven. Seven? What? She has two priors for coke. Even so, seven years. One was for dealing. Look, take the two. Otherwise... I'll let you know. Like, because obviously they're upping the stakes here, right? You didn't tell me she had a prior for dealing. It was real, but it's real either way. Doesn't matter how insignificant the thing might be. That's a big deal because it's not only for this client, it's a relationship with a judge moving forward forever. Oh boy, Keith. It's a classic. It's a classic flashback. It's gonna be a black and white. <laughs> Mike writes Come down on, the time code when the Take cut. Your turn. So Bobby's having a nightmare. Bobby. Scrappy. Horrible. Bobby. And unnecessary. Aren't you due back at one? The officer died from a single gunshot wound to the chest. The bullet exited the body at the sixth cervical vertebra. It was fired by the officer's own weapon, a police-issue Glock. Tell us about the entry wound. It had powder residue and stippling burns arranged in a stellate pattern. Meaning? The muzzle was jammed up into the victim's chest with pressure. He was shot point blank. Thank you, Doctor. He was undercover. Why did he have his police issue done? The report says the entry wound was elongated. Yes. The muzzle wasn't flat against the body. It was angled. How did the muzzle get angled? I don't know. You also well, don't know why my Keith. client was that? in the alley or what happened before the gun was fired. No. For all you know, this shooting was accidental. I suppose it could have been suicide, too. But I doubt it. Isn't it possible that there was a fight for the gun and it went off? It's possible, or the street was angled, or your client's hand slipped, or... Bobby Flynn. The victim flinched. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor. Nothing further. I don't care about my client now. I'm not gonna bring up... Ms. Gamble, redirect. No. Helen's confused. Now, Helen could take the win, but I think the trope here would be Helen goes to Bobby and she's like, are you okay, Bobby? You're not doing a good enough case. What are you doing? There we go. What do you mean? 
Well, Bobby, I what's your the defense? Future. Accident, self-defense. Paint by numbers. Well, actually, if it's self-defense, you do have to give notice. I'll tell you what you need to know. Bobby, would you look at me? Are you all right? I keep having these really I'm weird fine. black and white dreams. Is he sleeping? Not enough. Well, why and they're expensive because I have to bring in two of the guest stars from the previous episode, and that shit ain't cheap. No. Unless they filmed Isn't it all. Isn't somebody second chair? He mm. won't have it. Thought ahead. Helen, is he really screwing up? Either I don't way, know. never. He never could be laying a trap to sandbag me. You guys have pulled so many stunts. But he seems off. He's either screwing up or he's got me exactly where he wants me. The suspect had proceeded through a stop sign without coming to a full stop. Okay. And then you searched the vehicle? Yes. John Curry? Finding a packet which appeared to be marijuana. Lab analysis concluded it was marijuana. And the suspect was placed under arrest for possession of a controlled substance. All right. What made you decide to search the vehicle? It had a watch your car sticker on the rear bumper. Uh, I beg your pardon? It's a way to help citizens fight crime. They register with us. We give them a sticker which lets us stop and search their car to make sure that it's not stolen or being used in a crime. On the decal, it says you have consent to search this vehicle. Is mm. it a successful program? Very. Over 100 cities and towns in Massachusetts participate. Insurance companies even reduce your rates if you join. How many cars in that neighborhood have those stickers? Almost all the cars on my beat. It's how we've cut auto theft and other crimes in the area by half. You searched her car because of a bumper sticker? One that gave me consent to search, yes. Does this it? wasn't even her car. It was her parents' car. And her parents' bumper sticker. But she knew about it. So you're claiming you got your consent to search from a bumper sticker? And a decal. Is that legal? A lot of cities have been doing this. Neighbors banding together, giving up rights. That Keith, we are... Uh, there's 25 minutes to go, so we're a good portion in, over a third of the episode thus far. And finally, an interesting question has been asked. Yeah. Not that I'm, yeah. I don't want to minimize the Bobby's trauma or these, the seriousness of that uh, story arc, though I think we both agree they're, they're being a little heavy-handed with it and a little overtly... Uh, uh, this, this, sometimes things are better unseen, and they they can kind of overplay their hand. We get where yep. Bobby's at. I don't know that we needed to like kind of relive that trauma, but the, whatever that is, what it is. But this, I'm more interested in at this point. Like this is, I I think these types of uh, uh, First Amendment rights. Uh, I guess it was not First Amendment, but Fourth, Fourth Amendment? Amendment. Yeah, yeah. Fourth Amendment rights issues are. It's such a fine line that I'm interested in them. So I think finally we have an interesting question yep. asked in the episode, and it's also an interesting little time capsule. Because this was in the first year after 9-11 and people were handing away their rights right and left because we were in a very much like, hey, you know, guns and police and security and mm -hmm. whatever. And like, who cares about civil liberties? And, and as we dealt with it, uh, <laughs> I've lost track of what the last episode was, but we, we dealt with it recently for sure. Yeah, the good news is that we've gotten much better with that kind of stuff. Hey, Google, stop listening to me. Hey, Google. 
Oh, she told me if I really wanted to mute it, I could just... All right, hey, Google, stop. I, I was just using it for a joke. Stop it. That's... Unconstitutional? No court has said so. I'm going to challenge it. You won't win. But this? A bumper sticker waving Fourth Amendment rights? Jamie, is the deal still on the table? We're not um, sending her for two years. Fuck that, no. Eugene. So she's looking at seven years? Yes. Yeah, Jimmy, you should look. I walked into the alley to buy heroin. I'm a heroin addict. Did you see Officer Bowers there? I didn't know he was an officer. He told me he was a drug dealer. I told him what I wanted. I also told him his prices were too high. When it looked like the deal was going south, he grabbed me and threw me into the wall. Next thing I knew, we were in a fight. I heard gunshots. His body falls to the ground. Did you ever attack him? Never. Did you ever try to take his gun? I didn't know he had a gun. I never intended to hurt him. You were desperate for heroin. I was eager. So eager, in fact, <laughs> that you tried to steal the drugs, which led to you stealing his gun and killing him. No. The objection is sustained. You have stolen drugs before. Yes, and I've stolen to buy drugs. In fact, you're a convicted felon. Did I miss something? Yeah. Did Bobby not object and he just objected for him? Uh, yeah, kind of. Like, Bob Bobby is very much tuned out of this case. Right, but in order for a judge to sustain an objection, doesn't have to, someone have to make the objection? Let's, 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 let's go back and analyze. His gun and killing him. No. The objection is sustained. You have stolen yeah. drugs before. That's exactly yes, and I've stolen to buy drugs. In fact, you're which, a convicted felon. Which, you know, felon. to be fair, yes. a convicted... It's part of the judge's job. Oh, and totally. I, I I saw this when I was uh, on the jury where the public defender wasn't great, but I actually was pretty impressed by how much the judge himself stepped in and held the prosecutor accountable for stuff like this. And I, I felt like the judge did more defending of the defendant than the, defen the defense attorney did. Um, and it felt like there was a bit of a check and balance happening live for me, and I appreciated it. Yeah, I felt the same way. In fact, <clears throat> when we <clears throat> handed down our ruling, uh, the the defense attorney, he tried to like be outraged and ask for one of those uh, throw out the jury's um, right. ruling and judge do it, but and kind of use us as a prop. But what was interesting, though, is that the judge shut it down right away had us clear the chambers, then let him proceed with his motions, and then called me, the foreman, back into chambers afterwards to tell me that he agreed with our ruling and that the guy's appeal was going to fail. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Convicted felon that has lied about Go his judge drug crimes. Is, it, was, it was a really yes. good story. Just like you're lying smart. now to avoid punishment for this drug crime. Call no. I mean, lying is a part of my disease, but I am not. Lying is a part of your disease. After the gun went off and Detective Bowers slumped to the ground, what did you do? I, um, I, I ran. You didn't try to get him help? I knew how it would look, so I, I, I just ran. Did you take anything with you? The heroin. Anything else? The gun. The, the memories. gun. The gun that had <laughs> gone off and killed a police officer. Yes. Had you grabbed for the gun prior to it going off? No. Uh-huh. So you just pick up a gun that has killed a police officer, putting your prints on it, putting it in your possession. 
That makes a lot of sense. Nothing further. Well, honestly, if I had that situation, right? And I don't know if, I don't know if he's dead or not. I'm not going to leave the person I just shot with a gun to come find me and shoot me. Well, Keith, these are all things you could possibly say uh, during your redirect, but something tells me Bobby is less enthused than you. Mr. Donnell? The defense rests, Your Honor. Jesus Christ. I told you if you challenge the search, the offer's no good. Yes, that's why I'm unchallenging it now. Please. Is this your first case? My first case? Are you kidding? Right. My first, I think not. So that's a yes? Second. <clears throat> Look, the idea of this girl getting seven years. I have marching orders from my office. The deal is off, Jamie. But on a more positive note, if you look over there, seems they like your work. They're all going to laugh at you, Jamie. Because Jimmy's a dick. And Eleanor, too. I'm not, I keep Eleanor giving her off yet. No, it's Who are you feeling enough. sorry for here? Yourself or your client? Both. Before, you were feeling outraged. You need to hang on to that. Use it. Challenge on Fourth Amendment I like grounds. quarterback Eugene, too. Tap into your outrage. Yeah. Okay. Look, this is no time to sulk. This is where you dig in. He's a good mentor. Right. He's way better mentor than Bobby is. Bobby doesn't even pay attention to anybody but himself. Now, before we blow too much smoke up Eugene's ass, let's not forget last week when he didn't even, like, Google his client. Well, you know, we do... Well, look, Google, Google didn't exist anymore, and the Yahoo search engine sucks. Yeah, but, like, Jamie on her big compact was able to figure out that info pretty quick. <clears throat> but she's the tech whiz. She's in the future. Oh, here comes a bullshit Jimmy apology. You need any three, help with research or two. anything? I'm fine, thank you. Jamie, I'm sorry. I You know what? I really have to work on this, Jimmy. Okay. Jimmy, that means leave me the sure. fuck alone. Swakheim. Got a second? Better be worth it, Helen. In addition to being ex parte, you're coming between me and the crapper. <laughs> I already have the sports pages in hand. I'd like to move for a mistrial. I beg your pardon? As unorthodox as it seems. On what grounds? Inadequate counsel. You're the prosecutor. I'm also an officer of this court, and from where I sit, Bobby Donald's tanking this trial. That's a pretty serious allegation. Look, the victim had steroids in his system. It was in the autopsy report. For Bobby not to take advantage of that. Maybe he didn't read the autopsy. We're talking about Bobby Donald. Come on, he gave a two-sentence opening. His crosses have been weak. Have you even been able to discern a defense theory? Yes. Accident. Look, the defendant is a cop killer. Clearly, I want to put him away, but I have a separate obligation to make sure his rights are protected. As to well, you, Swackham first of all, know he's nothing Bobby has done rises to the level of incompetence. But if we have knowledge that a lawyer is deliberately trying to lose... Come on. Do you really think that? 
No. But I think he's hit a wall. He looks numb. Look, the law says I'm not supposed to undermine the defendant's confidence in his own lawyer. So far, this idiot seems fine with Donald. If you want, you can report him to the bar when this is over. Until then, all you can do is your job, not his. If that was any other person but a buddy of hers, I don't Tell know him. that she does says that. She's not wrong, but... Yeah. I will speak to him. All right, there you go, Judgy. Ah, the now sane swag time. I like sane swag time, but with a, with a zinger here and there. I was going to a party, stupidly... I brought along a little pot. I'm ashamed that I did so, but... My parents are alcoholics, Your Honor, and I so don't want to end up like them. So I took pot. Yes. And Tammy, you've used drugs in the past, haven't you? Two years took ago, pot. I also stupidly used cocaine. I, I once got enough pot. to share with some of my friends, I'm, I'm and I was arrested for dealing anything, when... So I don't know the lingo, but... I am so not a dealer, and I totally don't do cocaine anymore at all. Just... Pot. It was stupid. Tammy, referring That's back awesome. to when you were stopped, did you know about this bumper sticker on your car? Well, I did, but... I love the people who are like, oh, I'm sober. I don't do drugs. Now, I do drink three bottles of red every night, but that's just, that's not drugs. <laughs> I thought it was like this neighborhood watch kind of thing. I didn't I'm, know it I'm meant they really could actually search drug. my car. <laughs> I smoke a That's lot. That's not of exactly what you said to the police officer, is it, Tammy? I was really nervous. Do you remember what it was you said? Uh, no. You told him the bumper sticker had expired. I was really nervous. You were nervous. In fact, one of the reasons your father put the bumper sticker on the car was to deter you from using. Isn't that right, Tammy? Yes. And you knew that, didn't you, Tammy? Yes. What's up? Now, it's interesting, though, before we get in, we litigate it more in the courtroom, you know, in the public school system, you, a lot of kids are surprised to learn that, that you can go in your locker anytime they want. They don't even need a reason. Uh, your locker doesn't belong to you. The school right. can search it. Uh, yep. When I worked for a certain company, if there was any sort of suspicion that a kid was cyberbullying or might do something to harm himself or other, I was authorized to go into their messages uh, for the, the software that they use that I work on the for. company's platform. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, your privacy doesn't extend in certain arenas. So the question is in your parents' car, she's not a minor, right? Obviously, if she's in no. trial here. So, but do you have to give consent for search, right? Like if you're using someone else's property, that's I, that has to be well, the letter I, of the law somewhere. Well, and that, I think that's what they're at because that at this point those stickers hadn't been this hadn't been adjudicated yet. So the intent of these stickers were that you didn't have to give any consent. The sticker itself overruled whatever the person in the car said. I guess definition. like for a living will and whatnot, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, it's, because it's, it's not it, like I mean, there's a signature or anything. It's just like the existence. No, they're, they're wildly unconstitutional and also like ripe for abuse. Right. Like there's no, let's say that I you slapped one of those on my car and I didn't know about it or something yeah, like that. exactly. Or the cop did. Right. I mean, why wouldn't a cop just have a 
whole basket of those stickers in their pocket and just slap it on whenever they wanted to. Now, my question, Keith, would be why not just keep the stickers in his pocket? Why put them in a basket and then a whole basket into his pocket? Because that seems wildly inefficient. Why don't, don't you tell, tell me, me how Bobby? To keep my stickers? What's up? I'm not following. Do you think you're doing your best work in there? Hey, I'm open to ideas if you got any. Oh, you're open to ideas. How about an opening statement that runs to double digits syllable-wise? How about an aggressive cross-examination? How about you get it into evidence that the victim was on steroids at the time he was killed? It was a strategic decision. There was no evidence. Oh, bull. Your defense has been anemic at best. Helen Gamble is convinced you're tubing. Excuse me? She came to me as an officer of the court and asked for a mistrial. And I had half a mind to grant it. Hey, take me off if you don't like what I'm doing. It's a little late for that now, isn't you it? You want to do my job? No, I want you to do your job. Hey, I go into that damn room day after day to defend people who deserve the rot. You think that's easy? I expect you to give your client a defense. He raped a kid, for God's sake. He was 13. You think I can just waltz in there and, and, and get him off? It isn't that easy, and I'm doing everything I can. So the mistrial comes now, right? Your client didn't rape any kid. You think? He killed a cop. I mean, that is a that was another TV client Freudian slip that's a little ridiculous. Well. Like, I mean, obviously that's his subtext, but like, he hasn't sure. had a mental break. Well, that's a question. Like, you know that coming out. Like, here's where I in the episode, like, where which way are we going to go here? Is it going to be a TV trope, which feels like, or clearly Bobby's fucked up and mistrial instantly and let's get him some help. Oh, or, sure. no, no yeah, question. you know what I mean? Crossroads time. Whatever. That it, can I go? No, you can't. Bring in Eugene Young to give the closing. What? You can't order that. I can and I just did. We'll continue this to tomorrow. Bring in Mr. Young. I prepared my closing. You're not doing it. Your Honor. I'm giving you an order, Counsel. Eugene Young will give the closing. That seems unfair to the client. The officer saw the most valid basis imaginable to search the... It's certainly murky. I mean, like, it's it's certainly ripe for appeal. I think he's got... If he loses, he's got some great grounds. You know, I think when we look back at the whole sort of kit and caboodle of the show that's one of the biggest and that's that's a challenge right it's a challenge in the in courtroom dramas right like we what are we going to be are we going to be to the letter of the law or are we going to be about the drama because when you when you right. go back and forth you're ser- you can't serve the two masters and at times something suffers and in here the past couple episodes actually though we liked the arc of where bob it led bobby the credulity as we keep saying of the court cases is getting a little bit preposterous at times. Vehicle. The decal said, you have consent to search this car. The defendant had knowledge of the bumper sticker, the decal. And even if she didn't, what we look at for Fourth Amendment purposes is the officer's state of mind. In his mind, seeing that decal, he had a good faith basis to believe there was consent, end of issue. And as for defense counsel's outrage over this bumper sticker policy, we're trying to win a war here, Your Honor, and we're losing. 60% of the global drug market is in this country. That's staggering. If these bumper stickers seem like desperate measures, 
We are desperate. Here we have a town saying, hey, you know what? Let's help. Search our cars. We give you permission. Make if sure it'll stem drug traffic, if it'll save lives, search our cars. That's what her parents said when they attached that bumper sticker, which Tammy Rowe knew about. She waived her rights. The search was valid. The motion to suppress should be denied. He's great, though. Yeah. That is Jer Jeffrey Stubblefield. I had a law professor who would say, when people start to get scared enough, the first thing they'll sacrifice is their civil rights. And look what we have here. A whole town full of people slapping on bumper stickers saying, search our cars. Tomorrow, decals on the front doors. Search our house. Coming soon, maybe a rights-free street or a town with signs at the border saying, if you cross the city lines, you waive fourth, fifth, sixth amendment rights. Maybe one day a whole state will go for it. What are we doing? Are we all going mad? Mr. Carlton says, what's the big deal? This is happening all over. My response, my God, this is happening all over. In this day of rampant police abuse, we're actually saying to them, hey, do whatever you want. What is going on? Which again is well articulated, but not really about this case. Come, I, Jamie is. When we interviewed Jamie, she was so. It was like, oh, she's a wonder kid, right? Like, um, a wunderkind. Like, so smart. She was able to like break down Lindsay's murder case and beat by beat mm -hmm. explain how they were going to win it. Here she's given like she's put into a hole. She's got to fight back. Eugene gives her the speech, whatever. Write her a goddamn, write her something there. Like you said, she's asking a bunch of questions. And like we as the audience are bringing in our sort of like, she's basically like, isn't it scary? We're, we're, we're sacrificing, we're, we're volunteering up our rights. But refute it, refute his statistics. Give her some stuff. Like this is one of those, if it was David E. Kelly, maybe he would have, he'd have a stronger, he'd give her a stronger response. I, I, I well, want it, more from Jamie there. Well, it's interesting because like I'm having a different reaction to it where I actually thought that, uh, I thought her argument was was good. I found that effective. What was um, what it felt like to me though was a blurring the you know just a little bit of fudging for TV where she's making a a speech about a bigger issue, whereas in real life it would be much more nuts and bolts about this particular case and not the bigger issue. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean because like you know she's talking about a concept which I, you're reacting to because she's not giving a lot of specifics in it. Uh, but either either way, it's not like super realistic. But I, I don't mind it as like a TV thing. It just feels like the judge but would like step we, in but we've had like, the But we've had the question from the beginning of the episode, right? It's like, is the bumper sticker consent? The question's already being asked. She's just reposing it. Like, so give me some reasons why it shouldn't be. Or, you know, like, I don't know. It just feels, it, it doesn't feel like there's any meat in the, in the pot pie. Fair enough. Well, I'd go for some pie. What the hell are you doing going to swag high? Please don't yell at me. I, I will yell. You call behind my... I shall yell. Back? 
That's defamation, Helen. You disparage somebody's professional skills, that's slander. You want to sue me? You think I won't? You think I won't? All right, you're scaring me now. We're friends, for God's sakes. You go to a judge accusing me of throwing a case? How could you? Because we're friends. Don't you ever, ever! Bobby, let's go. I need a second. Bobby. I said, I need a second. And I said, let's go. Speaking of roid rage. Yeah. Okay. Fine. But good on Eugene for intervening there. Haven't we been through the beat, though, that, like, Bobby doesn't let it out. Bobby doesn't come clean. And we've gone through the thing where Bobby, like, says to Lindsay, he's said to Eugene, he's said to Rebecca, he's like, you know what, sometimes I need to ask for help and blah, blah, blah. But here we go again. Keith, did you know we're given tickets to the same Ferris wheel ride, baby? Yeah, well, yes, that is definitely happening. So we're not seeing a lot of growth out of Bobby. But it is sort of his, like, inherent character flaw that we keep hitting. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, my therapist would say you, you're on the same Ferris wheel, you dumbass. That's fair. Aren't we all? Stop the Ferris wheel, Keith. I want to get off. The Fourth Amendment uh, protects reasonable expectations of privacy. The law defines reasonable expectations of privacy as those society is prepared to protect. Does anyone know what they are? Two years ago, I could tell you. Not now. We have all agreed to be searched so often. When we travel, we go to the ballpark, we enter buildings, that I don't know what a reasonable expectation of privacy is anymore. Under the law, if Americans post signs in front of their homes inviting the police in to search, society no longer gives me an expectation of privacy in my home. God help us when it happens. As a matter of law, I find the defendant waived her Fourth Amendment rights if she knew about the sticker and drove anyway. But I think the prosecutor has to carry its burden that she absolutely did know. Ms. Rowe, I think you did. But since I can't be sure, I'm going to let what little doubt I have cut in your favor. I'm suppressing the search and dismissing the indictment. You dodged a bullet, young lady. We're adjourned. I won. You won. Congratulations. Thank you, Miss Stringer. The next time I get caught, I am so definitely coming to you. Excellent. It only seems fair. You won. Congratulations. Thank you, Miss Stringer. The next time I get caught, I am so definitely coming to you. The next time I get caught, she said? We know Detective Bowers was was killed with his own gun. (laughs) The defendant, a convicted felon, admits he was desperate for drugs and was unhappy when he didn't get them. He was arrested at the scene, and he admits that there was some kind of physical altercation between him and the victim. The defense case? Well, it wasn't just a lie. It was a mess. They offered no proof Detective Bowers was the aggressor, no evidence that there was a fight, no alternative theory even as to what happened. When the defense is this muddled, 
It means one thing. There is no defense. The evidence of this case supports only one conclusion. The defendant attacked the officer, took his gun, and murdered him. Last thoughts. Jane, I got an answer for this. The jury needs to hear from me. The judge. Bob. Mr. Donnell. I believe Mr. Young is closing today. I'm prepared to close, Your Honor. Sidebar. Oh, man, we're not going to get it? The jury has no relationship to Eugene Young. If I don't close, it undermines my credibility. It undermines this my This is an American. You guarantee him a new trial. He's got one half guaranteed already. The you way. want me to do my job? Let me do it. Whipping up. This is America. Yeah. So Swackham's gonna let him do it with a short leash. Always with a short leash. Fan. Oh, Lindsay's there. there watching. She's like, oh shit. He almost punched Helen, so. The closing argument is defense counsel's last chance to speak to you. Keith, this is it. Yeah. Oops, wrong button. Uh, this is where he's gonna retire. Oh. Mike still has a chance to be right. This is it. Okay. When I began trying cases, I get nervous before a closing. Lately, though, I haven't felt nervous. I haven't felt anything. Except maybe numb. What Ms. Gamble said about the defense, she was right. It was muddled, terrible. The truth is, based on my client's record, his stupidity, I judged him guilty. It's the worst sin a lawyer can commit. My job is to fight. I'm supposed to fight the power of the state. I'm supposed to fight for justice. Mostly, I'm supposed to fight for the defendant. I didn't do that. I don't feel anything about that either, except maybe tired, you know? I am sick and tired of fighting these cases for these clients accused of these crimes. This is going Somebody's got to do it, I get that. But this time, this time it shouldn't have been me. To my client, all I can say is, I'm sorry, you know, I, you got screwed. <laughs> As for you, members of the jury, the question is, did the evidence prove beyond reasonable doubt that this man committed murder? Clearly it didn't. Even with a half-assed defense, the prosecution can only guess at what happened. Nobody saw or heard anything. <laughs> can you imagine how much doubt there'd be if Mr. Johnson had a real defense? My client says he got into a struggle with somebody who he thought was a drug dealer and the gun went off accidentally. He is a total piece of crap. 
but his version could be the truth. That was it? That was it. I want my money back, money back, money back, money back, money back. <laughs> Did I do something wrong again? No, Jamie. I want to apologize for the practical joke. I know I've been a little rough on you, and I'm sorry for that, too. More importantly, I slipped into the courtroom and I heard your closing. You did? I think you have real talent. I want you to know that. And I want you to know that I know it. I feel like we should hug. We're not gonna hug, but congratulations on a well-earned victory. You'll be having many more of them. We're gonna need you and Bobby either kills himself or leaves the show. Madam Foreperson, has the jury reached a verdict? We have, Your Honor. Interesting. The defendant will there. please rise. These, these like down shots. To the charge of murder in the first degree, I'll say you. We, the jury, find the defendant, Earl Johnson, not guilty. Bobby wins when he's not even trying. To the charge of murder in the case. second degree, how say you? We, the jury, find the defendant, Earl Johnson, not guilty. Oh, man, he just got off his Johnson. You know, Keith, I was going to do a rendition Bobby. of Let the Eagle Soar, and now you don't me pause there. <laughs> but like always, in the end, I walk out the door. Mr. Donald, Mr. Young, Chambers, please. I'm disappointed. Congratulations. I'm sure you're feeling flush with victory. Bobby, I'm sitting you down. What are you talking about? You were extremely erratic during your rape trial. You were all over the place here. You briefly even forgot the crime which your client was charged with. I won. Because the state had no case, and the DA was too arrogant to charge manslaughter in the alternative. You're right. She does that a lot, you doesn't won. she? Which means yeah. I can hardly take you to the board of bar overseers. They'd never find you incompetent. But I can control what happens in this building. As of now, you're retired from trials. I'll be calling the chief judge shortly. Mike was not right, but he this. wasn't wrong. I won't let you. Right now, it's a month. Push me, I'll make it two. You're not well. Eugene, take him. Into custody. Fax machine. Fat Bobby in front of his fax machine. Hey, we've moved on up, Keith. Where that fax machine sits used to be just a random spare tire. It sure did. Moving on up. Hey, man. Lindsay's there. 
She hasn't said anything all episode, but the rest will be good. You think I've lost it? Well, a little bit. I a little think bit. That rape trial, or whatever Father Martin said to you, really shook you, Bobby. But you'll recall that I've been in federal prison, so uh, if we want to talk about who's had a worse couple months... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We should probably see some couples therapist. Yeah. I'm a criminal defense lawyer. It's not my fault if he rapes again. I'm just a lawyer. It's not my fault. You need a rest. You're just tired. That's all, honey. You're just tired. She's great. Yeah. Well, folks, as we slowly fade to black in the practice, would you like to slowly fade to black with me and Keith? Uh, it happened two hours ago, but we're going to try to do it again. Uh, but we're going to bring levity and joy to a situation full of whatever. What I'm trying to say is it's time for the after show show. After show show. <laughs> it's good thing we have the weekend off. Yeah. And we are back, baby. We I didn't, are back. Uh, yeah, I forgot to write a thing. <laughs> Good. That's right. They're always funnier on the fly. Okay, let's go. <laughs> okay, folks. Uh, it is now time to recap this episode, not once, but twice, starting with... Mm, two, three, four. Who, why did I count myself in? To remember what I just don't know. It's just the you. There's no one else segment, there. Segment. Segment. Guys, Bobby's not just pissed. He's loony. Uh, so he's like McRambo, but sad McRambo or like mentally challenged McRambo. Not challenged, but disturbed. He's having a tough go at it, guys. So he kind of basically throws this case, but wins it anyway uh, because he sad eyes the jury. And that always is very effective. In the other case, hey, can a bumper sticker say search my car? Apparently, yes, but no. Also, don't flirt with a judge. Not a good look. Jimmy's an asshole. So is Eleanor, but they apologized. Okay, now could you do that again, but just in fewer syllables on the fly? I'll be counting. Of course you will, you sum of my bitch. <laughs> Bobby lost his shit. Can you search without consent? Let the eagle fly. Yes. That was so good. It had nothing, really nothing to do I with the I can't believe you, like you just nailed that. <laughs> you were, you burned this. Oh, let the eagle soar. That's what I meant to say. Before. Imagine if you just tuned in for the after show show. You'd be like, what is happening? Okay. <laughs> All right. It is time for, you know, that. 
Well, Jackie, we are going to let some awards soar, starting with... Give us that E. Uh, well, there's a, you know, we got a couple of, uh, I'd like Stubblefield here, or whatever his actual name was. I thought he actually did a pretty good case, though he did lose, you know. He did. He did. Um, Bobby, Bobby is not being rewarded for his performance this week. Uh, he might have got, the client might, oh, are you, is your computer dying now? Don't, don't worry about it. I'm configuring Microsoft Enterprise 2007 while oh, I pull wow. up our stats. Good, good, good. good. Um, Eugene, no. Swakheim, no. Helen probably deserves a pat on the back for like legally being like, yo, is Bobby cool? She almost like... She was like ethically... She yeah. was the most, as, most ethical lawyer today. Uh, but I think that... Well, I mentioned it before, though I wasn't like loving the meat in the pot pie... Uh, nonetheless, the pot pie was satiating and steamy, and uh, Jamie was uh, given a, a tough go at it here. I mean, she, they, she, she started off real bad, uh, and her client went from uh, the best case scenario for her client, actually, in this was two years in prison for a possession charge, yeah, and yeah. she ends up walking. And uh, not only that, but because they went with the uh, defense that they went with, they're actually they actually set a precedent that could help other people in her situation. So I think ultimately the ramifications of Jamie's work this week go a lot further than anywhere else. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think I think Jamie is definitely the MVL. Um because I I, I thought she um <laughs> like you said, it didn't didn't start well. She overcame uh her own friends and and partners who were really fucking with her and a client who wasn't necessarily doing herself any favors. Um, and, uh, you know, she made it about what it was really about and she kicked it on fourth amendment grounds. Like I, you know, that's her job. Her job is to find the weakness in the case, exploit it and get her, uh, customer, get her client off. So congratulations to Jamie Stringer on your MV. Oh, okay, Mike, this is going to wake you up. It is time. It's time to dance, kids. It's, uh, let us make our mighty eagles soar with dance. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. Watch first entry on your IMDb. Wait this is disturbing. Hundreds of episodes, and this one is absolutely the worst. Oh, no. oh. I just can't wait oh. for how many flags we get for Let the Eagle Soar. Um, <laughs> I mean, you played it so many times <laughs> with so, in such lengths. <laughs> well, look, you know, it's a flag is the operative word. We're being patriotic. The general sense, the general like rule of thumb for those who don't Ooh. know is that you should never play any sort of like media more than 30 seconds. And we did not abide. Oh, <laughs> let the 
Kaka! Kaka! America! Uh, I don't even know what's happening. Uh, hey, you know what I want to do this week? Uh, 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 I think it was the actor who played Judd Swakheim again. Oh, interesting. I, I just, I think he's, he's just got Paul it Dooley. down. Yeah, Paul Dooley's got such, he's got it down. He can throw you a one-liner, but he can also like really ground it and he can be a little, he's also like a little get off my lawn. I just think everything he does works for me in the face of the fact that he was in the, his initial character was like sort of just like a, a blathering fool. So I think it's uh, pretty cool to see him as one of our like mainstays now. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'd like, like to let you know, as I wrote down into Excel here, the, uh, the, the data, the data is very important. I did credit him as Paul Dookie. So that's uh, something to keep an eye on. Uh, so congratulations, Paul Dookie. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I agree with you. I mean, I think he he was the the grounding force in this episode. Um, you know, Clifton Powell did a good job, but it was sort of like a one note thing. Um, you know, but Dooley has now brought in a fully formed, lived in character, and uh, and I really uh, really appreciate his work. So. Uh, Otherwise, if we don't give it to him, the Obsidian Order is coming for us. Yeah. Star Trek fans know what I mean by that. All right. Then it's time for... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. Now, Keith, here's where we get it gets interesting because I'm going to need your help because you've okay. seen the sh- you've seen the episode twice, and I assume that the time you watched it prior, you weren't in the weird mental state we're in right now. I'm always in a weird mental. Yeah, state, that's true. But yes. So uh, my my opinions right now are colored by just my sort of lunacy. Um, mm-hmm. The thing I, now, Dylan is acting, 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 and he has given me emotions. Uh, but my issue, and I think one of my issues with the episode we'll talk about, is that we just saw one, if not two, episodes of Bobby like being the best Bobby, three dimensional, uh, really grounded, but like full of feels and behaving in a way I think people would behave. Mm-hmm. And here, I don't want to say he's overacting, but it just feels a little bit a lot. And I. It's hard for me to decipher whether that's the writing, whether it's the acting, whether it's just kind of where I'm at. It just feels like a little bit like that's like trying too hard. Um, but it's something, and I can't quite put my finger on it. Uh, but I actually like, and I think maybe this is my first MVL, and everybody, and Kelly Williams has a couple scenes where she's just excellent. Eugene has some excellent stuff. I mean, everybody's great in this episode, all as always. And I'm not saying Dylan's not doing a great job. It just feels a little that that everything with Bobby is feeling a little heavy-handed right now. Not that it's not justified. The stuff he's going through is intense. Don't I'm not saying that. It's just I don't know. I can't quite figure it out. But what I do want to credit, we already credited Jamie Stringer. I want to credit actress who plays Jamie Stringer. The main character on the show, Jessica Capshaw. Jessica, I think this is a great episode for her because they allow her to do exactly what they give the opportunity to Jamie to do is to not just be the other pretty lawyer in the law firm uh, who's who's like coming up with last minute 
saving cases at the last minute. She has a full case. She gets to argue it. She gets to, uh, she, they give her a lot to play. I, I think that she's my best actor. Sorry, that was very not, that wasn't very coherent. Yeah, well, you know, it wouldn't be the first time uh, on, the, on this episode. Uh, no, I, I, I think your points about uh, Dylan's performance and, and Bobby's arc throughout this episode, It's a lot of 11. It's a lot of 11. It is a lot of 11. Um, and normally, I'm more apt to agree with you that that maybe they're they're pushing Bobby a little hard that you know the gas is a little heavy on Bobby sometimes but actually in this case I I think it's appropriate and I think this episode deals with it it's a, it's a, a little bit of a thing for tires but this episode deals with um I think PTSD that Bobby is going through and I don't think they necessarily thought about it that way but looking at it now 20 years later I think Bobby genuinely has PTSD, which would explain that sort of the extremity of his behaviors at that point. So I kind of get it. And and but didn't moral, we do Bobby with PS PTSD before when he got choked did. out in the? But not as I think they're actually doing it better with this than I am. I I, I think the uh, the damage done by moral injury is a very legitimate and serious thing. And, and I, I know that people who deal with PTSD coming back from war will deal with a similar thing where they had to uh, participate in or even just witness something that so affronted their own morality that it, it gives them PTSD. So I, I think it's actually pretty legitimate. Um, so uh, I'm still giving it to Dylan. I, I thought Jessica did a great job, but uh, Dylan gets my vote. Uh, you wonder who doesn't get my vote. That button. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Clearly it's Tom Brady at a lectern singing Let the Eagle Soar. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. Uh, congratulations, Tom Brady at a lectern singing Let the Eagle Soar. Let me write it down. At a lectern, singing Let the Eagles Soar. Well, I just want to keep making the titles longer and longer so that the Photoshop is just you listing the thing. It's literally just text. Well, that'll save me time. All right, folks, you have come so far. You have taken such a journey with us. And if you're still here, you're dying to find out. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode yeah, I don't disagree that that I'm I'm compelled with the Bobby thing. I'm I'm curious as to, especially when when David's not writing, and you know, as to what we are, what are we trying to say overall? Like, I get the question. We've been asking the question since episode one. Like, what is the role of the defense attorney? Are they good guys, bad guys? Where does it all live? And maybe it's just kind of like rough because we're so late in the run of the show. And I feel like we change that viewpoint furious and often. Uh, each one of our main players has had a moment where they they get rock bottom and they're like, what am I doing? And here Bobby's doing it. Also at the at the mercy of his clients. His clients are, are put in jeopardy. And 
it seems like he's making a very strong case as to why this is a shithole profession and why we should not be uh, excused for the our or that there's some sort of culpability in the people that they defend that sh they shouldn't. And whilst that question is interesting, I don't know. It, I don't know. It's sitting. Man, it's just my mood today. <laughs> but it was a downer. <laughs> it's a bit of a downer. Uh, and. You know, I, I want. I like that Bobby is troubled, and I like that Bobby is complex, and he's not just a, a cute lawyer who always wins. I, I like that. I just, <laughs> you know, what I said it about Lindsay when we were doing the Lindsay thing. I think they're handling the Bobby character mu with much more humanity than the shit we put Lindsay through. Um, I just want yeah. them to be okay. I know that his time. I see. I I have the the knowledge, the retrospect knowledge that he doesn't last the whole run of the show. Right. That. Uh, that Spader comes in at some point and Bobby must leave, that means maybe not. I guess I guess I don't know for sure that Dylan McDermott leaves the show. I think he does, but I don't know for sure. I just want everything to be okay, Keith. And it's as time is <laughs> and as sand is running through the hourglass of the show, it doesn't tick, seem tick, like tick, tick, tick. everything's no. gonna be okay. And that makes me sad a little bit in my heart. Um and also like I feel like this story, this case is just a placeholder for continuing last week's case, right? So it feels a little, just like Bobby's defense, it feels a little half-assed. Like, I feel like there was a story to tell here, but we're not really telling that story. We're telling another story still. So it's, I don't know. I felt I'm lukewarm clearly on the Bobby case. However, in the other case, I also feel lukewarm. I think I think it's great for what it does for Jamie, I think it's great for the relationships, uh, I guess, her relationship with Eleanor, and I don't really know how. It feels like she she forgave Eleanor. I guess Eleanor's ap ap apology was better than Jimmy's. Better than Jimmy's, yeah. yeah. So I guess that's why it was a, a better reception. Uh, Eleanor has been giving her a lot more bullshit, though, on top of that. But yeah. let's not get into the personal drama. The case, I thought, asked a really good question, and I was a little let down by, you know, it's funny. I don't want to give her too much credit though, because if they were to still have offered that deal, that girl would be in prison for two years. She was ready to, to go back on it. So I don't want to give her full like rah, rah, you saved the day because you were only put in that situation because they wouldn't give you the deal, you know? Yeah. Um, regardless, I thought it was a better case. I like the way the judge handled it. I like the way both, um, Stubblefield played it and the way Jamie played it. I thought it was well done. I, I'm not jumping out of my chair. Uh, I didn't, I thought it could have been, we could have explored it more. I, I this, this, this case and the, the show for that case ended up being a lot more about the sort of how her case and the way she ran it affected her relationships more than it was just about the courtroom stuff. And I feel like it was a case that could have been more about the case. That makes sense mm -hmm. what I'm saying. So uh, clearly I'm a little about this episode. Last week I thought was sort of a dumpster fire. So it definitely was not in the in the fives and sixes. I think we're we're still well acted. I think we're still telling stories and the plot is still moving forward. So I think it's a solid even seven for me. Yeah, well, I, it's interesting because you and I, we almost always agree on in the basic tenor of things on the episodes. But I, I like this one way more than you do um, for a couple of different reasons. 
the Jamie case, I really like a discussion of the Fourth Amendment more than yet another serial killer. Right, we've had so many murders and black widows and serial killers to the point where I'm ready to stab myself in the ear uh, with one more of them. And I think that the Fourth Amendment conversation felt both timely to the time, you know, post 9-11, we're throwing away our freedoms, but also to our time. And now it's search and seizure of your iPhone uh, more than your car. But, you know, the what do I consent to? What do I not consent to? What are the... And, and how much am I willing to give away in a user agreement on my iPhone is probably more than the damn bumper sticker did. And I think that's an interesting thing to discuss. Um, and I, I didn't hate the way that she closed that. I thought in, as, as a TV watcher, that was the appropriate close, even if it wasn't necessarily for the case, if it were a documentary. Um, you know, the Jimmy and Eleanor playing a prank on her, I didn't love it. Uh, it seemed more in character for Jimmy than it did for Eleanor. But as has been pointed out uh, by some of our listeners, I am, I'm much more aspirational about Eleanor's uh, morality than the character is actually written. I always keep saying like, oh, it's that's not Eleanor's character. Well, if they write it, it kind of is. I just don't want it to be. Um, but I thought the apology was was really good and sometimes look we all make mistakes and a good apology a mistake and a good apology can forward a relationship more than just generally being decent so i i didn't hate that either um so uh you know and and the sort of shitty treatment of that character it happens i get it and and being stuck in that horrible position that is uniquely gendered um, you know, flirting with a judge in that kind of case, like that's a that's a uniquely and shittily, shittily gendered issue. And I thought that was, I don't know, it's interesting. Um, you know, in, in Bobby's case, the case itself, who cares, right? It's all about Bobby's journey and his dealing with the previous case. Um, and as I said before, I bought it as PTSD from what he's going through. And I like that the show addresses the consequences of people who have impossible jobs sometimes. And it's not just defense attorneys who are put in a position to do reprehensible things or, or, or things that are difficult as part of their occupation. You know, you have social workers go to work every day and see horrible things and have to make horrible decisions. But you're in the military. You're being forced to do things that go against your own morality for some sense of the greater good. And, and having the show take seriously the mental health repercussions of having some of those jobs. Now, people have to have those jobs, right? There need to be defense attorneys. There need to be soldiers. There need to be social workers who have to make horrible decisions, taking children away or whatever it is for the greater good. And I think uh, pointing out the mental health challenges of these people and taking that seriously, I think, is of value i think it is of use to tell that story and to see bobby suffer from it this feels like a much uh this feels like this has a point as opposed to six seasons of like what are we doing let's just have another drink and fade to black and not actually have it mean anything this feels like it has a it has a meaning to it um 
yeah, nits to pick. I thought the 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 flashback was heavy handed and unnecessary. Um, I I I thought that was exploitative and gross and wildly unnecessary. Bobby, you know, like Dylan is doing all the work we need to know. We know he's suffering from it. We don't need to see that weird dream sequence. So, um, not necessary. But uh, all in all, at the end of that, I think I, I think I liked this episode. Um, and uh, I'm gonna give it a uh, an eight point six one. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, mean, what I, a big fight I, about this episode. Yeah, I don't disagree, that, and and I don't think Dylan was overdoing it. I, I mean, I get it's the stakes are high. In fact, they've gone over and above to tell us, you know, it this has affected him to his very core. Obviously, he's very he's very spiritual, and this has made him question his faith and his everything. So I I I get that. I just you know what else is bothering me too on this? I can't. I'm not passing judgment on the episode, but like we have to talk a little bit out inside baseball here. Because I need a reason in my mind to not be mad about it. So, okay. I love the Jamie character. I understand in the lore why they brought her on because, you know, like Kelly, William, well, Lindsay was in jail and we, we needed some help. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's not forget the other Fourth Amendment, First Amendment uh, case we had recently after 9 11, what we were dealing with. That was, remember, Rebecca's big uh, sort of take them away and we don't know what happened to people's rights after right. or, um, people being renditioned and after 9-11 right never talked about it again uh yep. never gave any sort of closure to it once again right. set rebecca up with a huge huge stakes case and we're like finally rebecca's getting hers we don't talk about it again uh we'll yep. just do a smaller stakes version uh later with Lynn, with jamie um rebecca doesn't get a line in this episode I have to imagine Lisa Gay Hamilton was just working on other stuff, right? That has to be it. They can't just, because they brought a whole other lawyer on, this could have easily been a, a Rebecca case. Yeah. Maybe should have been. Perfect Rebecca yep. Cricket case. And I, yep. it's just bothering me that they keep bringing new people. Maybe it's, they're like, we have to shuffle the deck because we're, our ratings are bad. But I don't know, man. For some reason, it's sick in the back of my head. Just the way that that was nagging at us that Lindsay was being under, uh, that they were sort of like smashing the Lindsay character. What yeah. has happened with Rebecca? She had one line last week. Yeah. She wasn't in this episode at all. Yeah. And uh yeah, I, I don't know what to say other than it it's not it's not great. I mean, you know, obviously replacing uh, you know, a strong female black character with a pretty little blonde girl woman is you know, like that's that's a tough thing to to justify, although I like Jamie and I and I and I yeah. really like I, I like everything about it. It's great. It's just tough that. I mean, what are we saying? We're we're saying that Rebecca and Lisa Gay Hamilton is criminally underused on the practice, and I don't think that's news to anybody. Um, and, you know, the uh, Jimmy character. I like that they use him sparingly. He's every once in a while he gets a case. Every once in a while he gets to be sort of the butt of a joke and then gets to redeem himself. I understand what we do with that character. But Rebecca, once they stopped letting her be just Bobby's conscience and 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 giving him advice during an episode, like interchanging her and Eugene for that, you know, it really led us to believe that they were going to let her be more and it's never really got there. And the few times where they've let her get up to the plate, they've had her bone. Yep, yep, it's true. It's true. They they flirt with, with using all of what Lisa K. Hamilton has to offer, and then they don't. And it's disappointing. Disappointing to us all. But uh, you know what's not disappointing? 
Uh, it's us moving forward. Oh, wait, no. No, we have to do the Easter egg. Oh, right, 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 right. Let's Don't let's forget check the Easter out. egg. Well, that's our own bumper sticker, right? Yes, which I, I will say that I went online looking for a I do consent <laughs> to searching this car bumper sticker. Could not find it. There, like the image does not exist on the internet as at least in the 30 seconds that I looked. All the images the are I do not consent. So perhaps we have learned a little something. But you know what you haven't learned from? Stop Another listening. episode of the Out of Practice Podcast. If you would like to email us and communicate with us, you can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. While you're there, uh, leave us a rating and review. You can fly like the eagles. And uh, we'll be very happy to read it and have you join the jury. While you're at it, we would like to thank our founding sponsor, Jorge Navoa, Cloud Lover 69. You've got me on preview, so I uh, no longer see our list. And Furry Coon! You uh, <laughs> can absolutely join that list. You know what, folks? This crap ain't cheap. Do you want to be... <laughs> I mean, like, our crappiness isn't cheap. Still, it's, free it's free well flowing. produced. Uh, is it? Just, there's links in the show notes. You can give us a buck if you want. Uh, write it off, for that matter. Um, tell a friend. Watch the Star Trek show. Guys, even when we shit the bed, we're happy you're along for the ride. Uh, always. That said, if you wouldn't mind, could I search your car and see if I can find any laser sounds in that there glove box? Maybe. Lasers. <laughs> Let's do another one. Jesus.